Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles, arms out wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise by your power. We will go by your spirit. We are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. Good morning. Good morning. It is the 9th of February, 2023. What is happening in the world where you are, where you put your feet down on the floor, um, where you lift up your prayers to the Lord? Let me know what's happening where you are today. You can always text me during the show, 877-933-2484. Love to hear from you. Love to know where in the word you are today. Eliana, who's my 19-year-old, she's really excited about uh, this Bible project reading um, reading through the Bible that she's doing this year. Wonder if you are engaged this year in a Bible reading plan that has you excited and energized. So where in the word are you today? And if you're saying to yourself, you know what, I'm not actively engaged in a particular study right now. Well, I invite you to join us in our reading through the Bible together Lenten plan. So we're going to read through portions of scripture together during the season of Lent. You can sign up to participate in that today at MyFaithRadio.com. Read through the Bible together with us during Lent. Not the whole thing. I mean, obviously selected passages. So there you go. Um, Yeah, lots of other great stuff uh, available at MyFaithRadio.com if you haven't visited us there lately. One of the things you can sign up for is the Growing Your Faith Verse of the Day. Today's Growing Your Faith Verse of the Day comes from John chapter 15, verses 9 and 10. You'll notice that during the month of February, we have a theme of these verses, and the theme is love. Yeah, that's probably not lost on you. You probably figured that out already. Um, So here you go, from John chapter 15, Jesus speaking, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. Friends, Jesus loves you. This I know. For the Bible tells me so, and so does Jesus. You belong to him. I mean, if you are in Christ, if you have accepted the good gift of God's grace in the person of Jesus, then you belong to him. You derive your life from him. Your past is redeemed, your future secure, your life worth the living as a flourishing branch of the vine. You're rooted and grounded in love. You're loved by the Son with the same love that the members of the Trinity share with each other. Like Jesus loves you in the same way that the Father loves him. That is amazing love. Remain in that love today. Abide in it. Draw from it. Rely upon it. Grow deeper into it. Extend your life out from it. If you remain in Christ, and Christ in you, there's really nothing that the world can do. Like, it doesn't really matter the measure of hate that the world gins up if you've got that kind of love and you're secure in it. And if you're in Christ, then you are secure in that love. So part of remaining or abiding in Christ is that we live in obedience. Jesus makes the connection in in these verses to love and obeying 
the Father's commands. And so what does that look like? In the same way that Jesus as the Son yielded to the will of the Father, I'm thinking here about the Garden of Gethsemane, not my will, but yours be done, but thine be done. So too, um, we who abide in Christ, we find our life in Christ and we demonstrate that um, through obedience to Christ's commands, each of them and all of them, fully, completely, every time. So I thought maybe a really quick survey this morning of a few of the things that Jesus uh, commanded us directly as disciples. Uh, there, there are actually more than 30. You could do a study of the commands of Jesus. Um, let's just take a sampling here. Love one another from John 13. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So if you only live into one command of Christ today, live into that one. Love one another. How about pray for your enemies and those who persecute you? How about uh, repent for the kingdom of heaven draws near? How about believe? Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe in the evidence of the miracles themselves. How about deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me? How about go and make disciples? Yeah. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to do what? To obey everything I have commanded, circling back around to today's verses as well. And then this one from Luke chapter 21. I thought this was particularly poignant as I was preparing to have a conversation with you this morning about the commands of Christ. Luke 21, verse 36. Be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. That's a direct command of Jesus. Be always on the watch and pray. So let's abide in Christ today by obeying his commands, um, that the love of God might be demonstrated among us and through us. Amen? Amen and amen. Turning our attention uh, from the King of Kings to the kingdoms of this world, we're going to talk with Ben Johnson next about the State of the Union Address um, and maybe some points that we didn't highlight yesterday, as well as the response to the State of the Union Address um, by those who made commentary after it. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge, and this is Faith Radio. Abide with me. Don't let me fall. And don't let go Walk with me This is my right A right given by God To live a free life To live in Ben Johnson is back. He tweets at the Rights Writer. He also writes at WashingtonStand.com, where he serves as a senior reporter and editor. Good morning, Ben. Good morning, Carmen. All right. Uh, we talked a, a bit yesterday um, here uh, about the State of the Union address, and I tried to suss out a few um, points from it. One of the things we did not discuss yesterday was Sarah Huckabee Sanders' 
response, um, the GOP response. We didn't really talk about anybody's response to the State of the Union address, but mine. Um, And so I'm wondering if you might pull some threads from that for us. I was particularly interested in what she said about school choice being the civil rights issue of our time. Well, I think she did a masterful job. I mean, uh, it's it's an overused phrase, certainly an over-remade movie, but a star was born uh, on, on this particular evening. Uh, she, she just, uh, it's a very difficult job to respond to the State of the Union. Whoever is responding of either party is at a disadvantage because the president has all of Congress assembled around them. Uh, there's, everyone knows who the president is. And then, you know, the first person you have to do, the first thing the individual who's responding has to do is answer who they are. Uh, but Sanders really pierced through uh, everything that's happening in the political sphere. Uh, she said the dividing line is no longer between right and wrong. Uh, the choice is now between normal or crazy. And so she she very much uh, took the scalpel to um, a lot of the policies that were being wrapped up in traditional labor Democrat kind of terms and uh, you know, laid to the bone the, uh, the social implications of, of a lot of the uh, more extreme policies that were dressed up uh, during the speech. One of the things that was most intriguing was the fact that she was talking about introducing her own policy, as you said, on school choice. So when it came to school choice, uh, she said she's going to unveil a major policy that is going to be the most comprehensive, uh, groundbreaking policy on school and on schools and education. And as you said, she said that this was the civil rights issue of our time, trying to guarantee people of every background, uh, of every uh, economic status, children throughout the entire country, uh, the right to a quality education. Uh, part of that involves boosting teacher salaries, as she said. Uh, Arkansas has been one of the poorest states in terms of pay for teachers. She's going to raise that to try and attract the best teachers. Uh, the curriculum is is going to change, but it sounds like the biggest change is going to be that education will be in the hands of the parents so they can select the kind of school that is most fitting, not only for their children's intellectual development, but also for their character and their faith. Um, Fayetteville, Arkansas made the list of like the uh, 2023 best places to live in the country. I'm just saying uh, it made the list of like the 10. It's like number seven on the list. Huntsville, Alabama was number one. I just have some surprising things going on in the southern part of the United States. Um, ben, let's take a brief pause. When we come back, I want to highlight um, another portion of um, of the State of the Union address and one that, you know, that you and I are both sort of aware of and um, and keyed keyed in relationship to, and that is the restoring the soul of America. We're talking with Ben Johnson. He has written about this use by the president of the United States of the phrase restore the soul of this nation. Um, and Ben has some thoughts on that. They're posted at WashingtonStand.com, but we're going to talk about them right here next on Mornings with Carmen. Prayer is such a gift. I love to pray. I think people sometimes overcomplicate prayer or try to craft perfect prayers as if God needs to be impressed. God just wants to hear what's on your heart and mind. He just wants to hear the sound of your voice. He wants us to turn to him with great expectation and faith that says, I don't have the power nor the resources, but God, you do. Or I don't know what to do, but my eyes are fixed on you. Or God, thank you. Thank you that you're good and that you've revealed yourself in ways that I can comprehend. And thank you for doing all that you do in every moment, even the stuff that I don't know is happening 
help me today and help me not miss the divine opportunities you've set. I want to see you today, God, so show me yourself. Prayer's not complicated. It's a gift, and you can exercise it every moment and in any circumstance. Start each week with a moment of reflection and prayer with the Faith Radio Prayer Devotional Email. You can sign up today at MyFaithRadio.com. Ben Johnson is joining us. Uh, you can read what we're going to talk about right now at WashingtonStand.com. President Biden urges Congress to, quote, restore soul of this nation, end quote, by expanding abortion transgenderism in the State of the Union address. Um, it's authored by Ben Johnson, and he is here with us right now. Um, ben, t- talk with us about um, sort of this, in my view, perverse idea of restoring the soul of the nation by uh, increasing access to abortion and um, funding and fomenting the transgender revolution. Well, those were the two uh, areas in which the uh, State of the Union address moved on uh, on uh, Tuesday night. You know, it was somewhat confusing because of the, the president's talking about uh, from the very beginning of his campaign, trying to restore the soul of the nation. That's been his go-to line and his raison d'etre, he said. It was the reason he was running uh, for president, he returned to that in the State of the Union address. And yet, when you look at what he's talking about in terms of policies, he talked about, quote unquote, codifying Roe v. Wade, by which uh, he means passing the Women's Health Protection Act, so-called, uh, which would strike down almost 1,400 pro-life laws that were passed when Roe was on, uh, was operative. So it's not codifying Roe, it's extreme abortion activism. And he specifically mentioned the Equality Act. Uh, again, these Orwellian names, but it would do the exact opposite of what it would say. Uh, there's no equality if you're a Christian citizen. Uh, the Equality Act would amend the civil rights laws of the United States, the ones that uh, Martin Luther King Jr. marched for, the 64 Civil Rights Act, 68 Civil Rights Act, uh, the Housing Act, uh, Fair Housing Act. Essentially, it would say that being uh, LGBT is the equivalent of being black or being female or it would have the same sort of rights as the right to practice your religion. So not only would it do that, but it would uh, write down any kind of recourse that Christian people would have to the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, RIFRA, which we've talked about so many times. It's protected so many people from outrageous lawsuits trying to infringe on their religious liberty again and again, uh, a law, by the way, signed by President Bill Clinton. So... Uh, It would eliminate all female privacy in places like locker rooms, restrooms, changing areas. Uh, It would compel people. uh, It could very well compel Christian doctors to perform uh, gender reassignment surgeries, even against their will. And uh, again, they would have no recourse to RIFRA to try and protect themselves from that. How that restores the soul of the country uh, is it's possible only if you believe that uh, you know, the, the soul of the country is best represented by Sam Smith and Kim Petras at the Grammys. Mm. Tell people what you're talking about there, because not everybody's read in on that. Well, uh, it was essentially Satanism at the Grammys. Uh, it's better, better uh, the, the less that you uh, see it. But uh, it was it was very much demonic uh, celebrating uh, demon. And when they asked Kim Petras uh, what was happening, uh, Petra said that the reason that they did this was because religions, quote unquote, didn't want them. 
And uh, I've got a separate piece at the Washington stand on that. But uh, there are many religions, many denominational leaders who are going out of their way to try and change church teaching when it comes to LGBT issues. Jesus at no point turned anyone away. What he almost always did was simply to say, I want you to follow me. You have to take up your cross. And that's going to mean cutting to the very heart and soul, the separation of joint and marrow, and you're going to have to follow in every respect. You have to surrender all. But if you have the love that you talked about at the beginning of this program, the love of the Father for the Son and the love of the Holy Trinity for all of us, if you've got that love in your heart, then no sacrifice is too much. Everything is willingly given to experience a love that is beyond comprehension. That's mm. so good. That's so good. Um, I'm aware that the Texas Attorney General is actively suing the Biden administration um, specifically over abortion pills and um, their distribution through um, the the regular mail. Can, is there anything that you know about that? I know it just brand new posted yesterday, but I'm thinking that you are probably already read in on that subject. Well, this has been ping-ponging back and forth between the states and the Biden administration for some time. So this is this is the next shoe to drop. And thankful, very thankful to uh, Texas AG Ken Paxton for filing this. Um, of course, after the Dobbs decision, Dobbs said that there is no constitutional, quote-unquote, right to abortion. States may regulate it as they see fit. So Texas, of course, had the Texas heartbeat law. Uh, it is trying to... Uh, curtail the use of abortion-inducing pills throughout the state. As a res- uh, In reaction to that, the Biden administration has said states can't do that because only the FDA can regulate uh, these, these procedures, and uh, therefore you can mail these pills into pro-life states, and there is no legal ramification for that. Among other things, uh, they, they talked about the uh, Obamacare law, the, uh, the uh, ACA law, Ken Paxton filed a lawsuit specifically citing the ACA, which says that states can, in fact, regulate abortion. So uh, essentially what he's saying is the the Biden administration is overstepping the law. It is misreading and twisting federal law in order to try and create by federal fiat a right to abortion that does not exist. I think that the access to abortion pills via the regular mail um, and the the way that binds the conscience of postal workers, some of whom are listening right now. Um, I, I just feel like for a lot of folks, Ben, this is going to be the the conversation that we all want to figure out how to have. And yet we recognize there's a whole lot of stuff that comes through the regular mail that if um, I mean, there are some things that are regulated you can't send, but there's just an awful lot of stuff that gets shipped, prescription medication specifically, um, and and non-prescription medication. I mean, I just think about all the ads I hear for all the stuff that, you know, you can get in a brown paper wrapper sent to your house. And I'm thinking to myself, um, this maybe is a conversation for Christians to be having about all the things that um, we are willing to receive in a brown paper wrapper through the through the mail, maybe we ought to be having a wider conversation about um, how we're accessing things that maybe we shouldn't be putting in our bodies at all. I just, I, I feel like there's a bigger conversation to have here um, on this topic. There absolutely is. You know, the law sets a minimum standard and it says what the state will not allow you to do. But then we have a whole broad area of freedom and liberty in this country to to live in any way that we see fit, which means we have to exercise responsibility. 
That was mm-hmm. always the trade-off of the founders. Limited government because we exercise self-government and self-restraint. And when that goes, then limited government also goes. But that's why it's so important for us to understand that there will be things that are legal, uh, things that are available, and that things that we should abstain from using, even though there's no federal law against it, no state law against it. Uh, there are no regulations, perhaps, where there should be to protect innocent people from partaking in them. We have to regulate ourselves and influence those who are close to us to understand there may not be a law against it, but this harms our bodies, it harms our souls. This is doing something that is in contradiction to the way our Lord Jesus Christ would have himself exercise his lordship over our bodies. Hmm. Thanks um, for filling in the gaps. Um, it's always appreciated. We love our conversations with you um, and and just appreciate what you're doing and who you are. That's Ben Johnson. He tweets at the Rights Writer. He is a senior reporter and editor at the Washington Stand. You can certainly read what he's writing at WashingtonStand.com. I'll put the links from the articles we talked about today in today's show notes, which you can get if you subscribe to Mornings with Carmen as a podcast, wherever you subscribe to your podcast. It's also available Every day by midday at MyFaithRadio.com. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. Let's take a moment to go upwards with Max Lucado. We're going to um, talk here in just a moment about um, life and the preservation of life and the way that God changes our hearts and minds in relationship to um, to life and death. And so when you think about a preborn person, let's just uh, let's just go back for just a moment to the conversation we just had with Ben Johnson um, about the state of Texas, which has a heartbeat bill. So in the state of Texas, once a fetal heartbeat is um, detectable, like that's the point at which a woman in Texas is not at liberty to take the life of her own child through abortion. Um, that's what the law says. And so that's five or six weeks into a pregnancy. That's when a fetal heartbeat is detectable. There are a lot of women that don't even know they're pregnant at that point. Um, and so this is a very serious conversation about um an awareness of what we're doing, um, how our bodies are are functioning and operating. Um, and it's an important conversation about abortion not being accessed as a means of um, birth control, which is really what's at issue in, in America right now. I mean, abortion is largely used as a form of birth control after the fact. And so that's a that's a moral conversation for us to be having. Um, on the topic of a moral conversation about abortion, how would you feel about having a conversation with a doctor who has performed abortions? How would you feel about that? Because we're about to have one of those conversations. John Burchowski is going to join us. Um, and he has had a change of heart. Um he shares his testimony in a book called Two Patients, My Conversion from Abortion to Life-Affirming Medicine. But I want us to, you know, wrestle with the reality that this is a person who has participated in an act and an action um, that has resulted in the ending of a human life. So 
um, prepare yourself for what I believe is going to be a very illuminating conversation with Dr. John Bruchowski. Two patients, my conversion from abortion to life-affirming medicine. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Hey, mark this uh, day and time. Mark this if you're listening to it as a podcast, because this is one you're going to want to return to and share with others. Dr. John um, Bruchowski is joining us now. He is known throughout the nation as a great pro-life doctor. His medical practice, uh, Tepiak OBGYN, operates as the largest fully pro-life OBGYN in the nation. Um, it's a nonprofit. It cares for women of all races, creeds, and economic statuses, whether or not they have the ability to pay. Um, he also takes time from the clinic to travel around the country and talk to people like you and me, promoting the practice of Christ-centered medicine. Um, but this is uh, not how it's always been. This is a post-conversion conversation. There was a time when um, John performed abortions. John Bruchowski, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Carmen, it is a incredible pleasure, um, and it's uh, just uh, God incidents and a miraculous uh, ability to speak with you this morning. Thank you so much. Um, thank you um, so much for joining us. Um, maybe just jump in to um, to the conversation. The book is Two Patients: My Conversion from Abortion to Life Affirming Medicine, and we're going to um, certainly encourage people to pick up a copy. And I'll give them access to that in the show notes today. Oh, I I'd love for you to um, basically start the story um, where you begin the book. Talk with us about the one pound person. Sure. So um, can you imagine I am, the way God works, uh, I am attending an evangelical church at night, just beginning to come out of my practical atheism, where I slipped away from Bible-strong family and faith and mom and dad to a people-pleaser, and I'm just doing the status quo, abortion is good medicine. And I'm working at a pregnancy center at night from the church, but during the day I'm doing terminations and abortions as part of my residency. And there I am in one room saving a baby because mama wanted it, and in the other room ending the life of a, of a, of a mother, of a child whose mother didn't want it. And I ended up with a live patient after the birth of an abortion after an abortion. And rather than suffocate it to prevent the mother from suffering even further, that's the mercy that we've manipulated. Mercy, remember, leads to the gas chamber and leads to the abortion clinic now, the abortion mill in today's world. Um, I weighed it, and oh my Lord, I, it was over 500 grams by about 5 to 10 grams. That's a little over a pound. And I had to call in the neonatal intensive care unit to save and care for the baby. Dr. Debbie walks in, looks at me. She says, hey, Bruchowski, stop treating my patients as a tumor. Why don't you have coffee with me in the morning? Mm. And I, that remember how you talked about your program, Fuel, 
for a live faith, she witnessed mm-hmm. to me. She witnessed to me. And she did it with direction and words, but it was her action. It was her voice. And heart met heart. My hard heart <laughs> met her. And she just, she, she presented a paradox right in front of me, a sign of contradiction, as we hear. And that, what, that one thing led to another. And uh, it allowed for the Lord to touch me again. For which I'm I'm so grateful, and part of um, part of the joy of talking with you is the freedom and joy with which you talk about the Lord, right? Oh, because yes. yeah. not 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 everybody who is um, who is a believer is then so free, right? I, I don't oh. I don't know why that is, but um, oh. I genuinely appreciate the freedom with which you talk about the Lord and His active presence. Carmen, Carmen, I was supposed to be with you last month, and Mm -hmm. I ended up with a complete electrical heart block. Not only have I suffered recently from an autoimmune disease with a neuritis, but the Lord brought me. You absolutely have a voice that can help us, the lukewarm. You know, we were Bible strong, but slowly, like a boiling frog in water, I went from fear of the Lord to a people pleaser. I was pleasing my peers rather than pleasing Daddy, Abba. Mm. Mm. And, 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 and to be, to understand that Jesus as Lord and Savior died for me. And yet we say it so much, but in our daily life, uh, sin gets watered down. I want to please my, my friends, the people that I you know, care and love, but it's both and. It's love God, love neighbor. He died for us so we can live for him. And in medicine today, they're, they're, we're living by lies. I, can, I can't speak for economics or politics, but it looks like the world's falling down. And it's because we have all started to live by lies. Mm-hmm. And in medicine, there's this, oh, no, keep your faith to yourself. Well, I, I'm a scientist. Life in the beginning is the code, and the code is life, and the code is in life. Jesus became one of us. He had the genetics in every cell of his body as a human person. He was one, when he said the Our Father, he was one of us. And now, because of two patients as an OBGYN, you begin to see everyone as part of that family of God. And we are here to love God and love neighbor. And in medicine today, that's what's wrong. We don't hate disease anymore. We hate people with the disease. Well, if you're Mm. poor, we'll just abort you because we can end poverty that way. Um, If we, we, we believe that abortion is good women's health, it's essential. It's central to reproductive medicine. And wait a second, it's not good health to think that we have to end the life, to think that we have to pollute women's bodies with carcinogens, the fact that we constantly offer ways. Wait a second. Time out. There's got to be a better way. And science and the love of Jesus Christ go together. What makes us good in one area makes us good in another. 
And it's that total, Lord, you are the Lord of everything. My life, my family, but also my science, my medicine. <laughs> so, but Carmen, but that's what you talk about. And I am so grateful for your program. Well, we're so grateful for you. I want to, I want to, um, I want to have you explore the word good because um, I think that's really one of the things that we're trying to do every day, John, is, um, is equip one another to yes. walk out into the world and use the words that the world is using, but help the world see things differently about those. And so yes. um, you're, you're obviously really gifted at this. Let me just remind everybody, we're talking with Dr. John Bruchowski. You can find him online at drjohnbruchowski.com. The book is Two Patients, My Conversion from Abortion to Life-Affirming mm-hmm. Medicine. I'll put all the links in the, in the sure. show notes for today's um, program. Um, we, we talk about good health care. We talk about good health. We talk about good health care. We talk about access to good health care. Um, how do you define the word good, and how does secular medicine define it so differently? Well, we, we must remember that abortion and many other things in reproductive health came down from the top, top heavy. In 1970s, the early 70s, there were some abortionists who became the leaders of ACOG, and they wanted protection from uh, doing termination for, for themselves to prevent them from being um, persecuted or uh, criminalized for doing abortions. Remember, abortions have always been in the shadow, and Roe codified it in the law to protect doctors who were acting patriarchally over women's health. That's why Justice Ginsburg and the rest said, you know, Roe is kind of bad medicine. So then we went to Casey a decade or two later, and that's what it said. Oh, no, no, uh, it's about excellent women's health. That's why the words, remember, before you have a cultural revolution... The father of lies will manipulate language, and it removes language from truth, beauty, and goodness. So once you start manipulating the word good, good is, in a political sense, the protection for doctors so they don't get persecuted. We never persecute moms. We never hurt women. Why? Because they're the victims. It's women... But the good word became political, and then it became something attached to a woman's right, R-I-G-H-T, not proper, correct. And all of a sudden, you now have words that are fungible. And so now we say an abortion procedure. You know, Carmen, they don't want the word surgery. We, this is the way we're being told by our American college. The second issue, can you imagine recently, right? All of us remember when they said, well, it's, the fetal heart doesn't start until 20 weeks. You tell that to a mom who suffered miscarriages and she hears that heartbeat at five to six weeks. Science has improved so greatly, but now they're saying, now they're once again going back to manipulate the science. No, it's really, it's, that's just a sound on a machine. Uh, please. 
uh, doing a vaginal ultrasound, no, that's similar to a rape, and that's why they, they, they want to do this. Are you kidding me? But once again, they're manipulating language, putting us back in fear. And as us, as believers, fear is not of the Lord. We can't go back. We know better now. And so that word good was politicized, and then it was bastardized. And now we talk about good, or love even. You know, love is the sexual revolution. And that freedom from the 60s, has brought the use of abortion to end the life of, a, of our second patient as a doctor in the womb of their mother, as a, not only as a good, but as a um, kind of almost like as a pathway into the freedom that the world thinks is good for us. It's political. It's a construct that they made up to help us be in fear that only they can rescue you from your drab, dull, non-productive life. Mm. And, and sadly, when the churches and the people lose their moorings, mercy then leads to the abortion clinic, mercy killing, rather than, as we talk about now, medicine is an act of mercy, the divine mercy, because we want to combine the best of modern medicine with the healing presence of Christ. And you can do it through by being a great scientist, a great, not worshiping science, but applying the way that the Lord intended us to have dominion over Amen. the world. Yes, ma'am. Um, we're going to continue our conversation here in just a moment. Mercy medicine. What What is that? What does it mean to combine modern medicine with the healing power of Christ? That's what uh, John Burchowski is doing each and every day. I want to continue our conversation with him in just a moment here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. Whatever you do, just don't look back Somebody needs a lot to have Whatever you do, just don't We're talking with Dr. John Burchowski. Um, you can connect with him directly and all of his social media articles related um, to his ministry and his clinic and his book, drjohnbruchowski.com. The book is Two Patients. My Conversion from Abortion to Life-Affirming Medicine. There's also a ton on YouTube if you want to listen to him and watch him talk. Um, John, let's talk about mercy medicine. When, um, when I hear the word mercy used today in, in the context of abortion, I also often hear it in the context of euthanasia. I think that's the growing, the yes. growing edge of the pro-life conversation. Yes. Um, I had occasion to meet a woman who, um, like you, is a physician, 
Um, she has spent her entire career in the city of Boston. And the first 25 years of her career, she has spent terminating the lives of the unborn. And she's now building a practice, building a practice to terminate the lives of of the elderly and other people who don't want to continue living. And she views it all as mercy. She views all of it as mercy. She doesn't obviously understand what that word means from a theological perspective. Um, Talk with us about your view of mercy medicine and how we must reclaim mercy as pro-life people. So um, when I, when I came to touch, when I was, when I was brought by my, by my friend, my friends, to engage the love of Jesus Christ, and I touched in prayer, he came. Remember, we were chosen. We were loved first by him. I touched his heart in prayer. He touched me in prayer. I was, he came to me in prayer, and I touched love. So here I am working at a Going to an evangelical church in uh, in the first you know in the in in, in 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 the assembly of God tradition, and I'm learning that love is a relationship. It's sacrificial. Well, medicine as an act of mercy is like housing the homeless, clothing the naked. It's part of who we are, and what happens is is that health is always based on relationships. It's relational. It's sacrificial. It's the love and care because we hate disease but love the patients. And so as the world made mercy, mercy killing, eugenics, when Flannery O'Connor, the American author, said mercy leads to gas chamber in the 1940s, once you remove mercy away from the, 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 the context of truth, goodness, beauty, God, faith, science, you can turn any word into something that is, remember, it's, it's deception. It's the father of lies. And now we're living it. And we can see the connection because in medicine, what do we do with sick fetuses, sick unborn children? We end their life. The quality of life, they have no quality of life. We define the child by its illness. Illness is a defect. And rather than accompany them and walk with them and walk them through their own pain, like we're asked to do in Paul, like we're asked to do in science, to care for people with suffering, no, we end it, we kill it, because it has no meaning outside of science. That's something that needs to be put down. And as we know, in our communities of the, the body of Christ, the church, that absolutely cares for the least, like Matthew 25 would say, I learned that I could go to a pregnancy center and provide services so a woman in crisis and fear and anxiety would absolutely be able to see the love of Jesus Christ through us and then maybe come and give herself back and open to Christ because of his grace. And rather than fight it, just move with it. 
And we are those instruments. We are his hands and his feet here on earth. And the Lord's grace and the Lord's power works through us. Mm. And it's all to his glory. And so that's where you're spot on, Carmen. It's leading to eugenics. And that's why, like that, my poor sister or brother, whoever that is in Boston, they're living, they think that this is a good and that they're, they're helping society. I don't see them as enemies. I see them as people who have lost their way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and... The, I, know, see the as, I see them as I see them yeah. as prisoners of war. That's my oh, I uh, love oh, Carmen because oh. Be, because I don't I'm not angry at a prisoner of war. I see them trapped. Oh. They're a hostage. They they are shriveled. They are um they're they're their souls oh, are emaciated Carmen. and because they have been oh, lied Carmen. to and they are yes. held captive by as you oh. described the father of lies. Like I'm not I'm not angry with them. I'm desperately sorry for them like i they're literally pitiful and so i'm full of pity and i can tell you that in my own post-traumatic stress my own brokenness the lord gives you the grace that i'm no longer sad because i'm ashamed Mm. like adam and eve in the garden i am actually saddened and if you don't mind, I might borrow that uh, you can visual have image. Thanks, Carmen. <laughs> we all, we hey, all John, stand on each other's shoulders. Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. We have to bring this conversation to a close because we're I... running up against a hard break. But yeah. um, would would you um, be willing to come back and talk with us again sometime? Oh, Carmen, I, w- I would be honored. I, I, it, would... I would, it would be a, it would be a blessing. It would it would delight it would delight us. That's Dr. John Burchowski. All right, we now have him on the hook to return. Um, his book is <laughs> Two Patients: My Conversion from Abortion to Life Affirming Medicine." You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. All right, wasn't that exhilarating? I know. I know. Don't you just I just love him, right? Just love him. Um, okay, so the news out of Turkey and Syria. I want to give you this um, update, uh, equipping you to be praying the news today. Uh, the death toll now has surpassed 17,000. Um, tens of thousands injured. Again, we're talking in the aftermath of the magnitude 7.8 earthquake that struck Turkey and Syria on Monday morning, rescue teams are continuing their search for survivors, but that, um, but that 72-hour mark um, has has now um, passed, and so in the midst of more than 10,000 collapsed buildings in sub-freezing temperatures, um, let us be praying for those who are continuing the search, recognizing that much of what happens now is recovery, not rescue. But let us hold out hope. Um, and let us be ardently praying and surging, uh, continuing to surge resources into the region. We've got another hour of Mornings with Carmen up next. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.